Mile high, hello Broncos country, and welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. My name is Lance Sanderson, and I am your host. Joining me, as always, is Eric Trickle. He is our Denver Broncos insider, our Mile High Huddles senior NFL draft analyst. Eric, what's going on today, man? How are you, bud? I'm doing good. After the day I had at work, I'm glad my work week is over. Very rough day, and it's all. I always can tell how the day is going to go by the first few people. And when the first person to walk into the courthouse tells you that they're going to kill you, typically it's going to end up being a bad day. Ended up being a really bad day. A lot of worse having to deal with a local 8-8 gang group, I guess, would be what you want to call them. Although to me, they just looked like pansies. But uh, these Nazi guys, they decided they, they wanted to give us a little bit of a hard time, and too. And so just ended up being a really crappy day at work. I'm excited to sit down and talk about the Broncos and just basically forget those people. Man, I hear you on the bad day at work. I mean, the other day, I so I, I deliver Coca-Cola for a living, and I drive semi-truck, and the other day, I had a uh, lift gate failure on me while I was attached to a dock at a local grocery store. I got stuck for three and a half hours, uh, turned a eight-hour day into a 14-hour day, quick, fast, and in a hurry, so I definitely understand exactly where you're coming from with that. Crappy days at work really suck, but uh, anyways, guys, uh, today, we're going to... We're going to break down a, a very interesting question. Eric and I do a, a – we're very diligent as far as trying to read all of the comments on our podcast episodes in the in the YouTube comment section. And we got asked a very interesting question last week by a member by the name of Paul80026. And he says, Eric the Legend, I enjoyed the pod. Solid work as usual. On one pod, can you guys explain your guys' view on the roster? A lot of fans are wanting us to blow up the roster, and I admit that – we should after the Super Bowl 50 because we had no quarterback. How many pieces are we away from a yearly playoff team? Please and thank you. Also, after that, we're going to break down once again the upcoming Broncos game against the Jacksonville Jaguars and what we think that the Broncos can do to have any success to come away with a win in week three. So, guys, here we go. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week, 
with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thanks to Paul80026 for giving us a really good topic on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast today. Now, Eric, I am really wanting to play kind of devil's advocate on this topic. I kind of talked to you earlier before we started recording about, you know, all the the positives and negatives that I see with the roster right now. But I'm going to let you kind of start it off on what is your personal opinion? Should the Broncos absolutely blow this roster up, get rid of everybody, collect a whole bunch of draft picks and move forward and hopefully build a contender for the future? Well, I actually have an article up at milehuddle.com that is, Have the Broncos Been in a Cold Rebuild Since Super Bowl 50? Now, this is an article that I've actually been planning to write for probably a little bit over a month now. I kind of wanted to see how the the season started for the team and everything like that before writing it. And basically, to sum it all up, to sum the article, which I suggest you guys go read, in the comment section of that article, there is a link to a Twitter thread Uh, from Mark Luis, who is going over even more in-depth of things that I touch on in the article. He goes in even, like, as I said, more in-depth into it as to why the Broncos have been rebuilding, and they have been. And with that is the biggest issue that the Broncos have had with their rebuild that they've been going through is that it hasn't been the typical hey, let's trade all the veterans, let's start over, let's blow it up. They haven't been going the Miami route that Miami's going. They're trying to take they take a in a way a longer path but a shorter path. They want to keep their veterans around to help try to keep them be competitive to where if they find that quarterback because ultimately that's what it comes down to. You can be in a rebuild all you want, but until you find that quarterback, you're still rebuilding. Like you have to find that quarterback. And people always want to talk about Elway and his drafting, but he had two really bad drafts for the Denver Broncos that just set them back. And we're seeing the downfall of the Broncos with those from those two drafts because they are lacking depth. They took a quarterback early in Paxton Lynch, and he failed. They took multiple other players. I mean, Garrett Bowles, he's really struggling. He's not looking like a franchise left tackle. So there's an issue there. I don't think blowing it up and starting over is the full is the right answer to do. There's definitely plenty of evidence that they've already been rebuilding. I think that they need to stick along this path that they've started. They have a plan in place that they had that they did change after the 2017 NFL draft. And we've seen that re- be reflected after the 2018 and 2019 drafts. We're seeing their new their new method of drafting, their new method of bringing it in. So Denver needs to stick on this path. They, need, they do need to find that quarterback of the future. Hopefully, Drew Locke is it. It all falls on him. But we also got to see John Elway really cut back on his free agent value signings of guys that are hurt. I mean, over the years, we've seen many guys, and just to throw out a few of them this year, um, of the past is Ron Leary. He's missed 17 games, or six, yeah, 17 or no, 15 games since he signed with the Broncos. Denver signed him after he had missed 22 games in his career for the Dallas Cowboys. Bryce Callahan, he missed 19, and now he's going to be missing, what, seven to nine weeks of the season? 
Jawan James, he missed 17 weeks. He played the first 10 snaps of the season, and he's out, and he might be missing a couple more weeks. Manalik Watson, this is probably one of the worst ones as well, is Manalik Watson because he never had a track record of staying healthy, and Denver gave him a pretty big contract. Russell Okung, like, the list goes on and on and on, and the only one that really worked out for him was Aqib Tlaib, but I'm not really considering him a value con- value signing because he was still one of the highest paid cornerbacks at that time. Like, that was a huge contract that they gave him. So, there's definitely some changes that Denver needs to make, still make a lot for their rebuilding path, but they've been rebuilding, blowing it up. That's not the right answer for me. That's not the way that they need to do it, especially with the path that they've been going along already. Exactly. And, you know, I... I think that John Elway has actually done a pretty good job in the NFL draft over the past at least two significant drafts. Uh, But there are a couple of very significant issues with the draft history that he actually does have. And you kind of touched on one and the failure to find a quarterback of the future. Now we've seen uh, John Elway draft Brock Osweiler, who was his son's roommate at Arizona State. So there was a family connection kind of in there. But with Peyton Manning in tow, there was kind of, I mean, there's a little bit of gray area in that. You've got Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, especially coming out, you know, the 2013 season. The offense just absolutely exploded. Osweiler was kind of the odd man out in that entire situation because we're just developing you. We're going to, you know, you're going to be the guy for the future once. Osweiler actually did get a chance to bail. He did. He, he took his chance. The games that he played in 2015 that were key to getting the Broncos to the Super Bowl on, on their Super Bowl run, he took that experience. He took off and went and got a, a high-paid contract. So that's kind of a – I mean, plus or minus, that's that's a hit or a miss. You really can't have any kind of positive. Paxton Lynch, obviously, I don't think that he necessarily got given a fair shake with the whole Trevor Simeon and Gary Kubiak situation. Yes, he definitely needed to work harder and actually – work on trying to improving himself but I think that you know you got to kind of give a guy a chance to actually really prove himself and Paxton proved himself as as the, the the bad player in this in the situation but then the other thing is the failure to find an offensive tackle and I'm going to go back three drafts or three or four drafts excuse me and look at Ty Sambrello, the uh, the left tackle from Colorado State. He was a, a he's now a backup for the Atlanta Falcons, former second round pick. You got Michael Schofield out of Michigan, who is a, a now a backup right tackle. I think he's actually starting for the Chargers right now, former third round pick. Garrett Bowles, we talked about him at length last week on Dove Valley Deep Divers and the issues that he has had. I mean, showed a lot of promise in you know some games, but a lot more struggles and actual positives. But just the failures that Elway has had in his four key areas of drafts or of team building success. You have to have a quarterback. You have to have somebody that can protect a quarterback as a left tackle. You have to have somebody that can pressure the quarterback coming off the edge or up the interior. And he's done a very good job of drafting those players in Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. But then you also have to have a cornerback as well to be able to stop the pass. And he's he did pretty good with Bradley Roby, but I mean, I digress. You've got Brendan Langley in there who has been a complete and total flop. Obviously, he's not even on the roster anymore. So there's just that situation. So getting all of these extra draft picks, and the Broncos do have... A uh, according to you, Eric, the Broncos do have 11 picks coming up in this next draft if they do get all the compensatory selections projected that they were expected 11, to get. So. Yeah, projected 11, uh, exactly, projected 11 with the compensatory picks that you had talked about. So there's not a whole lot more room that the Broncos can have as far as building draft ammo unless they're trying to make a big move up for a quarterback. And I disagree with that move 
100%. And the reason why is because you've already made a move up to get Drew Locke. You have to let that investment play itself out and actually know what you have in the investment. Trust yourself, trust your evaluation, and actually trust in the player that you have already. Don't look. A bird in hand is worth two in the bush. I said this to you the other day, Eric. A bird in hand is worth two in the bush. You don't know what you're going to get with Tua. You don't know what you're going to get with Justin Herbert. You already have Drew Locke. See what he has and see if you can't build this roster around him given the draft capital you already have. Yeah, I agree. Is You want to build that nest. And I'm throwing that there as a, as a Basically a tribute, I would say, to my colleague Nick Kendall, our colleague Nick Kendall, because that's his big thing is you want to build that nest. And I agree. The Denver Broncos actually have a good offensive core. And how long has a good young offensive core? And how long has it been since we've been able to say that? I mean, when they had Peyton Manning, I guess, I mean, you had Demarius Thomas, you had Julius Thomas, Eric Decker was there for a while, then they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. So they have, they've had good offensive weapons, but now they have... Cortland Sutton, who's looking really good. They have Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, both of them are looking really good. And even Noah Fant. And people want to give him give Noah Fant a bunch of crap for the fumble that he had, where Gerald Alexander just basically took the ball away from him. And his blocking, which isn't as bad. I mean, he has had some bad blocking moments, but he's a solid blocker. But people are wa- wanting to call him a bust already. Now, listen to this. George Kittle, his rookie year, 43 catches, 515 yards. He also dropped a good portion of his passes thrown his way. Rob Gronkowski, 42 catches, 546 yards. He did have 10 touchdowns, so he had a huge impact in the red zone. Travis Kelsey, 17 catches, 284 yards. O.J. Howard, 26 catches, 432 yards. Zach Ertz, 36 catches, 469 yards. Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, both of them had less than 45 catches for 550 uh, 550 yards, sorry, excuse me there, in their rookie season. Tight ends take time. You want to know what Noah Fant's on pace for? 48 catches and 528 yards. That's what he's on pace for. That puts him very much in line with what these other rookie tight ends did who have come on to become stars. Now, I'm not saying that because, oh, Noah Fant's going to sit there and become a star like these other guys did. I'm just saying is that tight ends take time. Rick Scangarello has touched on this subject. He's talked about the positives in the press conference the other day about no, that Noah Fant has shown. He's talked about the how he's shown his athleticism down the seam, how he's made some big edges, and he has. They've talked about his struggles in the running game, but they are also some flashes there. They have a good young offensive core. And I think that part of what the Broncos need to be considering, too, is if come the trade deadline, maybe a couple weeks before, if they only only have one or two wins, you have to make Emmanuel Sanders available. You have to open up the door for Deshaun Hamilton, Juwan Winfrey, even Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sun, you have to open up more opportunities for them because Emmanuel Sanders is taken away. If they only have one or two wins by week 10, by the trade deadline coming, then Emmanuel Sanders, it's not going to make a difference. I mean, it's clearly a team that the season is clear, clear at that point that the season is lost. Move the veteran. Open up the opportunity for the young core that is showing up well or the young guys that you still need to see more. And going on the defensive side of the ball is Bradley Chubb. Clearly, he's shining. You have Josie Joel, who has looked actually really good in coverage. She did have that 
bad play in coverage against the Packers, but overall he's actually been solid. You have Adam Gonsis, who's actually lo- is a great run defender, and he's showing a little bit more flashes as a pass rusher. You have Justin Simmons, who hopefully he'll step it up. But with Chris Harris Jr., I get that he's a fan favorite. He's struggling this year. So if you're getting towards the draft point on the defensive side of the ball, you need to make Chris Harris available because you need to know if Devontae Bosby and Isaac Adam, you need to know if they're the guy. I think going forward, until if they move Chris Harris, Devontae Bosby needs a guy simply because his skill set is a better fit to counter what offenses are doing. He's got a much better click and close than Isaac Adam does. And Isaac Adam, his click and close is absolutely spectacular. It's so fun to yep. watch him drive on the football. Yep. And with offenses attacking underneath, that fits to Devontae Bosby. It's playing towards his strength, whereas it's playing to Isaac Adams' weakness. Isaac Adam, he is quite a bit better when he's playing press, man up on them, running with them downfield, not playing off, them throwing underneath, and him having to come up and do it. It's not his skill set. But you still want to see if he can continue to grow, so you want to get him reps. So basically, is even though I'm not an advocate for blowing it up, I think you do need to move some some certain veterans around and get rid of them. And honestly, if Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris, if Connor McGovern, if these guys aren't in your future plans, if you're not planning on resigning them, you need to make them available too. Because I'm sure that there'll be a team wanting them, that you can get something for them. And obviously you want your value. you got to balance out what a team will offer with the compensatory pick that you could probably you could potentially get. You've got to balance that all out. So Denver can use the picks. If they want a rapid turnaround, if they basically want to basically fast-track this and continue to build the nest for Drew Locke, you've got to move these guys because getting these extra picks will help fill a lot of holes this Bronco team has because they still have a lot. So, no, don't blow it up, as I've been saying. But open opportunity for the young guys that are showing. Go along the rebuild that you've had planned. Get the young guys out there that are part of your rebuild and keys in your rebuild. Get them the opportunities and actually start building around them instead of keeping these veterans that are just set to be free agents after this year. The only veteran, really, that isn't set to be a free or that um, I would, that I see a lot of people talking about trading is Vaughn Miller. I'd keep Vaughn Miller simply because. First of all, pass rush is so so important. Denver has a bunch of cap space. The team is so young. You can afford to keep him. He's not hurting anything. And he's such a good mentor for Bradley Chubb. But you want to keep him. Just is there's definitely things that the Broncos can do. They just gotta do it. Moving guys, opening up the opportunities for the younger guys. I mean, they moved Demarius Thomas last year to help open up the door for Cortland Sutton and Dejon Hamilton. You gotta do the same this year with Emmanuel Sanders. You got to do the same for Isaac Adam and Devontae Bosby. You got to get those guys on the field. You got to be able to evaluate them. And that's one reason why they got to take Drew Locke off of injured reserve when he's eligible, which is week which is week 9, but Denver has the bye or week 10, but Denver has the bye week that week. He's eligible to start practicing week 7, so he gets 2 weeks. You have the bye week, so he actually gets three weeks to be able to get groomed and get ready. And at that point, you have to make the switch if Denver is at one or two wins. I mean, obviously, if they turn things around and they're, they only have three losses from the first three weeks at that point, obviously, you still got to stick with Joe Flacco. Obviously, you don't move Emmanuel Sanders or Chris Harris. But I'm just saying is if they have one or two wins, you've got to do that. That's the time where, that's the time where it becomes all about evaluating what you have 
so you know what you can do. Because what happens if Denver ends up with a top three pick? They they think that Drew Locke might be the guy, but they didn't get to see him. You, I mean, you still build a nest. But if you get Drew Locke out there and it's he makes it clear beyond a reasonable doubt that he isn't the future, then you got to take one of those quarterbacks. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean. We're, we're going to kind of have to take a break here for just a second. We're, I'm going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break, guys. Before we do go, I just want to remind you guys that uh, go on over to milehighhuddle.com. Check out Eric's article on the on the cold rebuild. Check out Nick Kendall's article on the offensive weapons as well. That's a very, very good piece. But at the Huddle website, guys, you'll get articles like that, breaking news, analysis, opinion articles, and stuff like that, as well as in-depth film breakdowns of not only the Broncos players, but matchups to watch in upcoming games like the, the Josh Carney piece that's up right now on DJ Chark and how the Broncos can stop DJ Chark, the Jacksonville wide receiver. Also, make sure you guys take a couple minutes to create your own personalized profile. Go out, get on the comment section. We have a community board. We really like to talk with all of our listeners. We want to get your guys' insight on what you guys think the Broncos are doing right, doing wrong, or indifferent. But guys, we'll be back here in just a couple seconds. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, welcome back to Dove Valley Deep Divers. Today we're talking about how the uh, Broncos do not need to blow up their roster. And I do want to play the devil's advocate here. And Eric kind of touched on this briefly just for a few minutes. And I want to kind of throw in my two cents on the whole situation. The age and the, uh, the age and the contract length of the star players that the Broncos do have right now set up perfectly for them to become trade pieces available. Chris Harris Jr. right now is looking at becoming a free agent after the end of this season. And he did, in fact, ask for a trade earlier this year. Nothing ever came to fruition. The Broncos did restructure his contract, kept him kind of happy. But for right now, we don't know the exact future with Chris Harris Jr. going forward. Do the Broncos need to actually extend him, make him a, a part of their future going forward? Or should they maybe, you know, see if they can't get a second round pick from somebody like Philadelphia Eagles, who has a lot of cornerback issues right now. They did sign Orlando Scandrick earlier this weekend. So that is kind of a thing to maybe look out for. They may not be looking for a, a trade piece right now, but get Chris Harris Jr. out on the market. Maybe ask for a third round pick for him. But if you do hold on to him, then you look at maybe going into the 2020 season after you let him go, you get a third round pick in the, as a compensatory selection in 2021. You've got Emmanuel Sanders. Again, you know, you got a couple of young guys that are really trying to step up. They're trying to, with Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, Deshaun Hamilton, excuse me, trying to, you know, find their niche into this offense. Emmanuel Sanders, you never know. Somebody, somebody out there might be looking for a trade piece like that. Then you've got a plethora of players that are going to be available for free agency this year and starting not only with Chris Harris Jr. and Emmanuel Sanders both of whom are already on the free agency uh, going to be on the free agency wire in 2020 you also have Derek Wolf you also have Shelby Harris you also have Adam Gotsis Justin Simmons Connor McGovern guys like that core players on this team that are going to be ready to watch so you know what why not make them available why not go out and say 
we're open for business. We're we're two and six at the, at week eight right now. We're open for business. Come and get our players. We're going to get them into the situation that they want to be in. They want to win. They want to go chase championships, and they want to actually have some success. And we're not having that right now. We want to try to rebuild this and actually, you know, use the players that we have to build up this draft capital. I don't necessarily agree with that, but you can understand that kind of thinking, can't you, Eric? You definitely can, and that's that's kind of what I was touching on. Is to me, trading away veterans that aren't part of your or players in general that aren't part of your future plans aren't isn't blowing it up per se. I mean, it's when you start trading away younger players, like a or like a franchise left tackle per se, or your former first round pick from a year ago who's a versatile yeah, the number, defensive back. That the number me, what nine overall pick? Yeah, that to me is blowing it up. Trading away veterans who are just not part of your future plans, like a Derek Wolf or Manuel Sanders or even Connor McGovern or Adam Gotsis or whoever. That's not blowing it up. That's just that's just continuing along a built rebuilding plan. That's what the Broncos definitely need to be doing. I mean, they've been rebuilding for so long. Continue to build that nest. If they believe Drew Locke can be it, they need to give him next year then because the 2021 quarterback class – Actually, it looks pretty solid, too, and we don't know which juniors that will actually come out this year. Maybe Jacob Eason decides to return for school next year, for his senior year. Maybe Jake Fromm. Maybe Tua. Like, And if not, then you have Trevor Lawrence, you have Justin Fields, and you have there's a couple other quarterbacks who are that are potential guys to rise up, potential players to be that Joe Burrow next year, who a lot of people are now t- throwing in there as a first-round pick this year. So build that nest because, yes, the quarterback is such an important piece, but you do need to have a team around him. Build the nest this year. I don't think that a quarterback, if you're picking top three, then I definitely think that you should be looking to trade down, pick up extra picks, and just continue to build that nest until you get that until 2021 or potentially for Drew Locke if he turns out to be that franchise guy. That's my thought on it. Having a quarterback of the future can cover up all kinds of issues. The Broncos don't. It's definitely hurting them. So just continue along the path they've been doing. I mean, with the way they're going, with the young players they have, I would expect them, as long as they find that quarterback, they should be out of this slump probably within the next three years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the if you, if you are picking in the top three, and to me, I think that the, that's a situation that the Broncos need to be diligent in. If they're going to trade back, they better be sure and better be damn sure that Tristan Wirfs or Jerry Judy is going to be available because if either one of those guys is not available after they trade down out of the number three overall draft pick or whatever it might be, that is a colossal failure. You have to get a left tackle of the future. But also, the one big resounding reason to me why the Broncos should not blow this up. And this is something that you might hear me get a little bit emotional here. This is a slap to the face of the legacy of Denver Broncos legendary owner, Pat Bowen. There is no such thing as give up and quit in that man. He's a Hall of Fame inductee in 2019, and this team needs to continue in that image. Do whatever it takes to win. And blowing up a roster that already has a lot of key pieces in place, you've got a potential quarterback of the future investment, you've got pass rushers, you've got a couple of offensive weapons that you can work with, young defensive weapons, you might have to re-sign a couple of them, but it's there. 
All you need to do is just continue working towards building this roster and actually doing what you need to do in the correct way and blowing it up and tanking after the Broncos already have suffered back-to-back losing seasons for the first time in his ownership is absolutely unacceptable to this Broncos fan opinion. guys. Before we get to the Jaguars game, I just want to touch on what you just said a little bit. And that is Pat Bowen is he and John Elway are competitors through and through. It's all about the game. It's all about winning for them. And as you said, I think that blowing it up and getting rid of this young core and just basically setting this franchise back even longer than they have been is just a tremendous slap in the face to him. It's not what he would have wanted. I don't think that rebuilding or blowing it up and rebuilding was ever something he would ever be okay with. I mean, after the John Elway years, he was continuously making moves, going and getting Jake Plummer, trading for Champ Bailey. He was making moves to try to make this team competitive quickly and just going around about a rebuild that the Broncos are kind of following in a similar path this year. like And last year. I mean, they, they kind of followed that similar path. You can't blow it up. You can't rebuild it. It is just such a slap in the face to Pat and May he rest in peace. He was truly a legend in Denver sports. And it is an absolutely travesty that the NFL did not get him inducted into the Hall of Fame while he was alive. And they should be ashamed of themselves for that. Yeah, absolutely. The NFL world in in general should be ashamed for letting Pat Bowen go to his grave without seeing the fact that he actually got inducted into the Hall of Fame. All the con- contributions that man has made to the NFL being, I mean, the father of NFL Network and everything like that. It's just, it is, it's mind boggling to me that fans are willing to not see those contributions in the, in the, the winning culture that this franchise has had for 30 plus years. So with that, guys, we're going to take another break. We'll be back here shortly. Thank you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, guys, welcome back to Dove Valley Deep Divers. We're done talking about the the roster blow up and everything that's going to happen with that. Obviously, the Broncos are in fairly pretty decent shape, at least according to us. But we do have something to focus on coming up here later today. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars coming into town and... I think that the Broncos are actually going to come away with a win in this one. And Eric, I want your thoughts first. Tell me what's going to be the biggest key for the Broncos to come away with a win, man. I think it's going to come down to Vic Fangio and what he can do with the defense to throw Gardner Minshew off his game. Gardner Minshew has a lot of hype. I've watched his games. It's a little bit ridiculous. He's making quick, easy throws. They're cutting the field into basically two ninths for him. He either reads the left side under 10 yards or the right side under 10 yards. He doesn't really attack the middle. He doesn't really attack deep. And I think that Vic Fangio, him being a rookie quarterback, I think you need to dial up some blitzes, some creative coverages, and attack him that way, attack him mentally. He is a smart quarterback, but he's still a rookie. He's still adjusting to life in the NFL. Attack him that way. I, too, have the Broncos actually winning this game, getting their first win of the season, and there is something about it. I mean, we have our predictions for the game up at MyLightHuddle.com, and I have Denver winning this one actually pretty easily. I am a little bit concerned about their defensive front because Calais Campbell, Taven Bryant's been playing so well. They have those two pass rushers. There's definitely a lot of talent on this defense, but they've definitely shown that you can move the ball against them, that they aren't unstoppable as a force. So I really think the Broncos end up walking away with this one. And just, again, it just comes down to just, be creative. Unleash the D, basically, on Gardner Minshew. Just throw everything you can at him. Just full force and just 
because what we've seen, it isn't working. They've got to turn it up because this game, I mean, yes, the odds of them making the playoffs at 0-3 are slim, but the odds of them making the playoffs at 0-4 is nil, basically. There's still a chance now if they want to turn it around, they got to turn it around. And something with Von Miller, his short press conference, he's angry. The whole team seems angry. They're, they sure are talking, talking a lot, which is bothering me a little bit. I want them more, they, but they seem focused on the game. They seem like there, there just seems to be this demeanor among them of they're playing like they're going to play the hardest football they probably have ever been, have ever played against the Jaguars. Yeah, with Gardner Minshew, speaking specifically to him, the hype is literally driven around just the crazy antics that he has. He's he's very limited. They're playing. They're doing a lot of the stuff that he did in college, and they're really playing into his kind of strengths. And and I mean, the, John DeFilippo is doing a good job play play calling right now. They're scheming. They're scheming well to his strengths. But something that the that people are kind of missing out on here is the fact that the the Jaguars' offensive line is not very good right now. They are not run blocking very well at all. They're averaging 90.7 yards per game on the ground as a team, and there's absolutely nothing behind former first-round pick Leonard Fournette, who everyone is just seems so up in arms about about how good he actually is. Right now, you're not seeing that. He's not very good with his vision. He's not very good as far as making decisions and hitting the hole and getting north and south. And it's showing with an advanced analytics statistic that I got from, I think it was footballoutsiders.com, the Jacksonville Jaguars stuff percentage statistic which stuff percentage is you're getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage so the running backs getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage their stuff percentage right now is 27 percent which is 28th in the nfl that is horrifying give it give just as a blatant comparison to the denver broncos offensive line and we think that the broncos offensive line is not generating enough of a running game going they had a lot of success against green bay but their stuff percentage is 11 percent. that's nine that's ninth in the nfl that's top 10 so the 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 Jaguars' offensive line, I mean, just their offense in general, they're 24th in points per game, they're 24th in yards, they're 7th in yards per play, so they're kind of getting some explosive plays, pushing the ball down the field, and DJ Chark is a very big part of that. I mean, 15 receptions so far, 3 TDs, 18.5 on average. I mean, they're they're really leaning on him to kind of take the pressure off of Gardner Minshew, but like Eric said, you've got to get pressure on this guy, and the Broncos have not been able to do that at all. Zero sacks still. It's, it's a very frustrating statistic to talk about, but if the Broncos can do something, and that's get on the line of scrimmage and press those receivers on the outside and kind of go back to the way that we saw this this defense underneath Wade Phillips, press those cornerbacks on the outside, get pressure on the on the wide receivers, knock off the timing a little bit, make Gardner Minshew beat, him, beat you with his arm. And I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to be able to be capable of doing that against complex uh, coverage schemes like Vic Fangio does, especially if they're going to be able to get the pass rushers going. So... Their offensive line, though, they've only allowed five sacks. And with the way that Minshew's getting the, the ball out of his hands as early as he is in the down, I mean, we're seeing a lot of the same things with Minshew as we did with the Broncos over the first couple weeks of the season. The quick passing game is nullifying the pass rush. So, I don't know. It, offensively, I think you just really got to kind of take the uh, take the ball out of Leonard Fournette's hands and don't let them set up a play-action passing game. Pressure, the cornerback, uh, pressure your cornerbacks on the outside against the wide receivers and pressure Gardner Minshew. If you can do that, I think you're going to have a lot of success offensively. Moving towards the excuse me, defensively. Moving towards the offensive side, I agree with Eric. The The defensive line, the defensive front seven for the Jacksonville Jaguars is absolutely uh, fantastic. Calais Campbell had three sacks last week. I mean, Josh Allen, rookie rookie number seven overall draft pick. I actually got to meet him at the combine. Very cool dude. 
he has two sacks already in three games. Dwayne Smoot has two sacks as well. Yannick Ngakwe hasn't got on the on the board, but he's generating a lot of pressure, making guys step up in the pocket. So once again, the Broncos' offensive tackles, they have to go against a very solid exterior pass rush for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, I mean, quick passing game. I really kind of think that you got to attack Trey, Trey Herndon, who is filling in for Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, that situation is kind of crazy as well. But I don't know, Eric, what, what do you think? What, what do you think the Broncos can do offensively to actually have some success against the Jacksonville Jaguars? See, I think that if he plays, the one you really want to talk target is Jalen Ramsey. I mean, everybody has this thing about how he's a shutdown corner and everything like that. He's been targeted 24 times and has given up 15 catches. If you're not if not him, then you want to target whoever Quincy Williams is on. You want to try to get Noah Fant or Deshaun Hamilton on Quincy Williams, that rookie linebacker that they have, because he's been playing horribly. You already want to try to get there get Wilson. Trey Wilson, I think, is the the safety's name. He's allowed seven catches on nine targets. Herndon, he's only allowed three on seven. DJ Hayden, five on nine. And Boye is 5 on 13. I definitely think that AJ Boye you want to stay away from. He he will he will kill you. So I think that depending on who, what Ramsey plays, if Ramsey plays or not, I think that you want to be using Sanders or Hamilton to really be a, the offensive weapon. Obviously, you want Cortland Sutton depending on who he's up against. You want to try to move him around, try to get a favorable matchup there. And then Noah Fant. I think you really want to rely on these guys. I think that you definitely want to continue a quicker passing game. But I think that you got to mix it up Throw a little bit of play action. Joe Flacco does seem a little bit uncomfortable with play action, but keep him in shotgun, and it's not hard to run quick play action out of there. Just no st- no drops. Have the running back cross his face. Hold it out. Pull it back. Throw it. And it's that simple. They've got to do that more. They're, they've only run play action so far on 18% of their plays, and it's been a lot of struggles. And the closer they seem to get to the end zone, the less they do it. So... It's definitely something that will help you get into the end zone. More play action and quick passes to just help counter that offensive line or that defensive line of the Jaguars. I mean, yeah, it, to me, the, the play action aspect of the Broncos passing game is, is not nearly as existent enough as I really kind of want it to be. Like, you can use, we've said it, I don't even know how many times on the podcast so far, folks. You don't have to have an effective running game to set up a good play action passing game. And in fact, you can use it vice versa. You can have a good play action passing game to set up a, a decent running game. I don't think the Broncos are doing it nearly enough. They had a lot of success running the football against the Green Bay Packers last last week. They had 100 almost 160 yards rushing, you know. So the the running game is starting to get there and the the run blocking efficiency if you look at the football outsiders statistics that we that I talked about, they I mean they are creating holes. They are creating opportunities for these running backs to actually have some success whether the running backs are able to hit those holes and actually take advantage of them is a completely different situation or not. But they're not getting hit behind the line of scrimmage like they did last year. The, the offensive line, as far as the running game is concerned, is actually playing very well. This running defense against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're 17th, ranked 17th in rush yards per game, over 100 already, 110 to be exact. So that might be a way to exploit against this Jaguars defense is to maybe build up a, on the running game, use the play-action passing game, and actually get some some of the quick passing, nullify the pass rush, and and – they, they, the Broncos should walk away with a win. I have them winning. I think it was 17 to 13 was my official prediction. So I'm going to stick with that. 17 to 13, Denver and the Broncos get off the Schneid and they actually get into the win column and t- kind of turn the season around. Eric, what do you think? 
I, as I said earlier, I have Denver winning big. I have them winning 34 to 13. I think that everything just starts to click for them. I think that we're going to see much better coaching and play calling from on both sides of the ball. And again, it just all comes down to everything clicking. I think that this is the right team to really get it going. And they use the run game. They use the play action. We use all these things and they put points on the board. We've seen them. They've been able to get into opponent's territory a good majority of their possessions. It's just been an issue of punching it in. And I think that basically they'll continue that trend, except that they'll finally finish drives. That's the key difference here. And I think the defense finally steps up against the rookie quarterback. 34-13 might be a little bit out on the limb, but this is a game I'm actually feeling really good about for the Denver Broncos to win in general. And I think that I really do feel deep in my gut that it's going to be a big win for them. Yeah, awesome, man. It's great to be able to predict a Broncos victory for the first time on both sides of the coin. You know, I don't necessarily agree with the big offensive explosion that you that you're going to see, but I mean, it'd be great. I'd be I'd love to see that if it does actually come to fruition. So, but anyways, guys, that's going to do it for us today. We're going to wrap it up here. Thank you all once again for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow us both on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, be sure to follow at Mile High Huddle for instant updates on the Denver Broncos. We are transitioning on over to Sports Illustrated, guys. So this is going to be a big transition. Stick along with us. Follow all of our follow everybody on the website follow the the facebook page everything like that it's where we put up all of our written content all of our film pieces everything like that so we couldn't do anything like this without you guys and all of your support we love and appreciate all of you guys so until next time broncos country stay safe and take care you guys have a nice day thanks